Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Key Reese. And I'm sorry I'm away tomorrow, but I have left a little oh. surprise for the listeners that you're going to intro. Yeah, it's actually very exciting. <laughs> it's very everyone exciting. keeps asking me where I'm going that I'm going to be away from work for two days because I guess recently, every time I've been off the pod, it's to go to like some exotic location or interview famous people. Oh, I know. Nice to be known. Life no, no. is hard. <laughs> Life is so well, hard. Well, I don't post on Instagram when I'm like working at my desk doing boring stuff till nine no, o'clock. No. But I'm just going to see my little family in Queensland. Take so my cute. Take my, ne- my four-year-old nephew to a carnival because that's what he requested I visit him to do. So it's not fancy, but it will be fun. Oh, my God, so fun. Fam time is the best. Well, speaking of things that are the best, oh. something we have been waiting for, yes. we knew it was coming, Margot Robbie on the cover of Vogue and the amazing photos that have come with it, giving us our first in-depth interview about the Barbie movie, which I feel like we've been waiting for since before we started this podcast. But there are some interesting tidbits in there, especially about some hatred that existed prior to the film. First time I've heard of this. So we're going to get into that. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I'm not excited about to die, but I don't I don't regret it when it's time for me. I've, I've done what I came here to do. Yeah. Now it's pleasure. Well, kicking it off with some sad news today, the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner, has died. The news was confirmed in a statement released to People via her publicist Bernard Doherty, confirming that the singer died peacefully today at the age of 83 after a long illness in her home near Zurich in Switzerland. The statement read, With her, the world loses a music legend and a role model. The publicist also confirmed that there would be a private funeral ceremony attended by her close friends and family. And People reports that in recent years she had battled a number of serious health problems, including a stroke, intestinal cancer and a total kidney failure that required an organ transplant. She is survived by her husband, German actor and music producer Erwin Buck. I know we have been talking about this movie every day this week, but today we do have a special treat. Yes. We waited years for it. It's The Little Mermaid. It's out in cinemas in Australia today. A part of your world. <laughs> I did not know where you were going to go with that. I feel like Ariel's in the room. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so speaking of Ariel, the stars Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy, who play Ariel and Ursula, were in Australia and I got to sit down with them very briefly because they were very busy ladies. Mm-hmm. I literally had six minutes turnaround in that room. I rushed into the room they were in. I leapt up onto the stage. The camera started rolling and I just launched into my like fanatic Disney questions. Yes. And what I was most interested to know is the changes they made to the film because some of them are small, some of them are big, but they've literally redone these characters, these iconic characters for this movie. I think several things. I think the addition 
of making Javier's character and mine siblings yes. was incredibly interesting. A small script change, but I think really rather impactful because instead of just good versus evil and you know they don't get along, it's like it's with the history of family and also being being isolated and 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 rejected by your family. It's so much darker and so much stickier and complicated. And then just really taking her out of just being a cabaret act and fun, which she is, and it's why we all love the original, but really giving her a, a lot of thought about the isolation and, you know, did she want to have children? But she's mm -hmm. not had the opportunity because she's been literally, like, imprisoned in a way. Thought about her mental health and, like, just all of her kind of heartbreaks. And yes, she still makes, she does the wrong thing, but she really became fully dimensional to me. And uh, I think that was a, a, it was a really lovely thing to be able to do for her. Yes, I mean, I think there are so many qualities of Ariel that we have all fallen in love with since the original. Um, and I think that going into this new version, I really wanted to keep all of those elements that made her so special to all of us, but as well as give people a deeper dive into her mind and her heart and the reason why she made the decisions that she did and the reason why she gave up her voice and what is it for. And it's for herself and her future and her passions and her goals. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of this reimagining um, because I think that it tells the story that's already there that was so beautiful in the original but in a deeper way and you understand it more I think. I just love how careful they were with the changes that they made but how much it didn't turn you off as a viewer. And the backstories they've created yeah. for their characters like Melissa was saying to me there that in her mind she's like did Ursula want to have her own family and, and also the fact that in this movie, her and King Trident are brother and sister. Yeah. And I think that really plays into especially that ending scene. And also one of the biggest criticisms for Ariel as a character in like the Disney princess universe is that she gave up her voice at like 14 years old for a guy she'd seen once. I always think that you know you're an adult when you rewatch The Little Mermaid and you side with the dad. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> young lady, that was a terrible decision. But in this one, it's about her like giving up her voice, like she was saying there, for a guy that she's in love with, yes like that's still a thing but yeah. also because she wanted this bigger life and to do bigger things and I just really loved that and so I find that watching the movie get all these amazing reviews at the moment it feels really poignant and emotional because of the kind of backlash that led into it yeah. because you and I were like blown away by this movie and we're not just saying that because we were excited about it or because we interviewed the cast you know I me mean? I'm a real stickler with Disney movies yeah I haven't been a huge fan of a lot of the other live action adaptations like you know the casting of Mulan was wonderful and there were some magical moments in Beauty and the Beast, but I don't think anything's stood on its own two feet as a magical movie in its own right that is amazing to look at but also captures the story with a lot of heart. But I think The Little Mermaid did that. And from like my opinion, it's the best live-action movie that Disney has done so far from these classics. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a big part of that is just how kind of seamlessly they wove in representation and building on existing stories that we all know and love in a way that makes these characters richer yes on screen and obviously the animation is just ridiculous but I think it just shows that you can update a you know really special historic story in a way that appeals to every little kid out yeah. there and it can still be done in a way that makes sense. I loved that all of her sisters were all different and representative of different yeah. cultures. Like, 
why not? Why can't we have that on screens, beautiful kind of array of colourful life of culture? I'm so excited to one day show it to Rue, you know? It's going to be so exciting. And it is nice to see, like, the reaction in that theatre because, like I was saying, there were some controversies, which it shouldn't be with a Disney movie, but when the trailer came out in 2022 in September, there was, remember, that big backlash of people because a woman of colour had been given the lead role and The Little Mermaid is traditionally white and people were even saying, like, in the hands Christian Anderson story that all these movies are based on, Mm -hmm. that she's described as having clear skin and eyes as blue as the deepest sea. And they're like, it's just factually inaccurate. And I'm like, she's a mermaid. She's a mermaid. Also, in that book, in like the original story, if we want to be like linking to that, the mermaids turn to sea foam when they die and she tries to stab the prince through the heart. So let's not get caught up on semantics of what happens in the real story. But I think Hallie was like 100% the right choice. It's just really awful that she had to have that first, even though she said she wasn't looking at the comments. So hopefully she was protected from most of it. Then there was the backlash around the Kiss the Girl lyrics being changed slightly to be yeah. a bit more consent driven. And I was like, you can't even notice it. And that's helpful. And even recently people were like, oh, Melissa McCarthy's makeup isn't as good as like technical drag queen makeup and all these little things. But I feel like now the movie's out and people are watching it that it's just like kind of a technical marvel with a lot of heart. It's all good and well to make these assumptions just based off like still imagery. But when you're actually watching it on screen, everything works. Yeah, that iconic opening scene that's a tribute to the original movie where all the mermaids are swimming in that first part. I like nearly grabbed your hand. I was so excited. And Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote some of the original songs with the original composer. And I liked that Ariel got more than one song. Yes. Prince Eric got a song. You know what song, just to finish, I've been listening to on repeat? Which one? It's the rap that Scuttle and Sebastian sing. It is so good. I have it in my head, so I had to listen to it, the Scuttlebutt. Hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. What? Hey, have you not heard that Scuttlebutt? Your butt. No, the gossip, the buzz, the who said The Little Mermaid, it's out in cinemas today. Go Go and see it. it. Take your kids, take your family. We loved it. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Aussie actor, producer, and all-around just great movie star, Margot Robbie covers US Vogue this month. The images have literally taken over the internet with the Barbie core theme shoot, the perfect visual pairing with the cover story titled Barbie Mania. Margot Robbie opens up about the movie everyone's waiting for. The movie in question is, of course, the Greta Gerwig-directed Barbie, which is due in theatres in July, with a star-studded cast, including Ryan Gosling as Ken. I thought I might stay over tonight. Why? Because we're girlfriend boyfriend. To do what? I'm actually not sure. So the cover story was very much a behind-the-scenes to the origin story of the movie that spawned a whole TikTok fashion trend, but it also gave us the first real clues as to what we can actually expect from the movie because to date the script has been kind of shrouded in secrecy, Margot even revealing that apart from an abstract poem that was written by Greta Gerwig, neither Mattel, the parent company of Barbie, and Warner Brothers saw the script, which was co-written by Noah Baumbach, until it was finished, which I thought was pretty unheard of. Am I right? I would love to get my hands, I think Mattel probably burnt all the copies, on that original script that Margot Robbie said that she and her husband Tom read yes. before they were on the they wanted to like film the project because they said there was a joke on the like first few pages about Barbie that made their jaws drop to the floor. And then the writer Abby Aguirre, who does like so many amazing celeb profiles, said, you know, it's since been removed before it made it to filming of the movie. But I think that that original script sounds like it was off the rails. 
rails. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was written in lockdown and yeah. they just kind of had free reign to go with it. One of the bits that caught our eye was the acknowledgement of the fact that they had to consider that people actively hate Barbie. Yeah, which I guess in our little pink-filled Barbie-loving bubble that we live in, that kind of seems hard to reconcile with now. But maybe it's not so hard to reconcile because I guess like Barbie became this poster person for everything that's wrong with beauty standards for women Yeah, around how like if Barbie at the dimension she is now was an actual real woman, she would fall straight over because she wouldn't be able to balance and walk with the way her body is formed. Like that's how unrealistic it is. In this article, they talk about the Barbie Barbies who they brought into the fold to be in the movie and the ones that got pushed out because apparently there was like a sleepover Barbie with her own pajamas who came with a scale and a diet book and the diet book just said don't eat. Yeah, like, how do you lose weight? Don't eat. That's what Barbie used to stand for. So I appreciate what they've done to try and like turn it around. It was like Dr. Barbie, Scientist Barbie, all the different Barbies. Yeah, and even touching on the fact of the kind of history of Barbie, like later getting like her first African-American friend, which I think came in the 80s. But for this movie, and I think it's later changed with all Barbies, that everyone is Barbie now. There are just different types yeah. of Barbies to kind of have that at the core of the story, which I really enjoyed. I also enjoyed what she was saying about, well, not just her, but Greta Gerwig, I think in particular, speaking about how Ken is very much a secondary character to Barbie. Oh, well, yeah, isn't he always? He is always, but I just love the fact that of how far they extended it. Like yeah. this is when I like when women helm kind of the whole production of the yeah. movie because they went a little bit method and Greta Gerwig hosted a sleepover in London before filming started and invited all the Barbies to like a swanky hotel to have a sleepover. And Ken's were invited to stop by but not sleep over because they weren't the main characters. Yes, I love that. I also think what's really clever about what Margot Robbie and her company and her PR team have done with Vogue here is to set her up in a way that she comes across as the ultimate cool girl but still very, very likeable, which is I think what they're trying to bring into the Barbie movie. Because what we're saying about that idea of Barbie being hated I think if it, some actresses had been cast in this role and it had been like marketed a different way, if they didn't have that likability that Margot Robbie has, it could have been taken in a very different way. It could have felt very exclusionary and clicky instead of this big message of inclusivity that they're pushing. And I think it's also interesting that Margot Robbie is one of the few actresses in Hollywood right now who can get a Vogue cover, who can do this big profile. And it feels like she's giving you so much, but she shares nothing about her personal life. She touches on no controversial subjects. It kind of reminds me, it's not exactly the same thing, but like when Beyonce got a Vogue cover and she's like, I will write my own essay and I will send it to you and you will print it in full. And I don't think Margot Robbie has quite that amount of power, but to be able to kind of get a Vogue profile that is literally PR for her movie, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's kind of what we've always known about Margot Robbie. I mean, if you go back to her time on Neighbours, her cast members have spoken out about the fact that she was always really interested in behind the camera. So yeah. I think from a young age or as a young actress, she's always been really aware of the types of characters that she's choosing, even if it's a Neighbours character, yeah. and getting that kind of full experience in the whole production of something. And I think that's why she can get these Vogue covers and why she doesn't have to talk about her personal life is because she has so much going on within it. She develops these films for years in advance. Mm. Like she's 
optioned the movie with yeah. her production company and before they even had a director or anything on board and had like these ideas, didn't really know what they wanted to do with it. She's going into meetings saying where the company did. Like I'm imagining Margot Robbie do this with the biggest company in the world, convincing Mattel to let them do Have the a IP. Mo- yeah, yeah, to do a movie about Barbie. Like get her in a room. I reckon she could probably get world peace. A hundred percent. No, I would trust that woman with world peace, let me tell you. No, no, I actually do like the fact that she doesn't have to have this big kind of personal persona and share all these nitty gritty things about her life in order to get magazine covers. Because I think that idea of pretty pain has been like the currency of magazine covers for too long. You know, actresses coming on and sharing these really intense moments, but through a lens of like being very beautiful and together. Whereas I find it interesting that she's almost got this male persona around her of just being interviewed about her work, yeah, which is not something. And like maybe she takes other questions off the table, but I don't find that she gets peppered with those questions about how did you get in shape? for Barbie how did you say thin when are you gonna have kids that's a really good point like all these things that are normally in the rhetoric of questioning for these women who are in the public eye in these roles like even women who are making their own movies like when Reese Witherspoon first started producing her own films she would still get peppered with a lot of those very old-fashioned questions and somehow Margot Robbie has like skirted around that I'm sure it wasn't as, as easy as that I wonder though it's because she has been relatively unproblematic or yeah. her life hasn't been not that other actresses are yeah. problematic but she's been relatively scandal free yeah. so there isn't really a lot of movement and like she married a nobody well yeah. not a nobody but he was like the you film know producer. a film producer okay. but, but when yeah. they met he wasn't a successful yeah, yeah. I think his dad was famous. in the industry yeah. and he was working on a movie that they did in New Zealand and he was like a assistant you yeah know? he's not famous yeah. yeah they've kind of like built this thing together She's really unproblematic and I think that that probably does help her in a way. But also I think she's fearless in the roles that she plays. So she has this range where people are like, well, she did that movie but then turned around and did like this ridiculously Oscar-worthy performance. And often the two movies are in the same year. So I think it's smart choices, being unproblematic in her personal life and being obviously ridiculously talented. Yeah, I think we're going to say it obviously ridiculously beautiful because that'll get you a long way. Oh, okay, that's well, for obviously sure. that underlines everything, doesn't it? <laughs> the whole Top of the Vogue article talks about how gorgeous she is. And I was like, that's fine. She is conventionally attractive. I've got to say, this is a lot more flowery for looks than I've ever seen Abby Gary write before. But maybe that's just what Margot Robbie does. I think does when to you're you. in her presence, you, you have just to. maybe. You you start writing like that. She goes, although she's impossibly beautiful, Robbie's aura is sprite-like and a little feral. Oh, okay. Did you not read that? Yeah, I know, but I didn't clock it like you did, but I'm clocking it she now. She says, it's easy to imagine she just wandered away from a travelling circus. So it's like we always still do need to uglify, as I don't know if that's the right yeah, term. Yeah, I love it. The most beautiful people in order for them to be relatable. I also love how everyone around her, it's just like they've been trained themselves, they don't even realise they're doing it, trained to speak about her like she's very otherworldly. Abby Gary is like she took her roller skating because you know and those Vogue yes. profiles, they've got to do they've something. Got to do something yeah, and always. she's like, oh she took the brakes off the skates she let me because she's so dangerous and then Greta Gerwig's like talking about her as this amazing person and then like Ryan Gosling's like she's got the strength of someone who like grew up swimming in shark-infested waters. I'm like, brother, she's from the Gold Coast. Calm down. (laughs) You're acting like she was like deep sea diving with carnivorous sharks her whole life. And I was like, she's from the Gold Coast. She's fine. She's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're Australian, so we know that it's actually not that scary. Yeah. But to him, it probably, she seems fearless. It's a great piece. It's very flowery, but very exciting to get a real idea of what we're going to see on screens in July when Barbie comes out. We'll pop a link in the show notes to the full article so you can go and have a read. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. And before we go, a little treat for you guys. We have a new episode of The Watch, our monthly bonus series, dropping this Sunday. And it's all about Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. Ooh. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, with audio production by Leah Porges. And our executive producer is Gia Moylan. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. Na 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 na